Hello, this is Ken Young, Riverside County Superintendent of Schools. Welcome to another edition of Focus on Education. With us today is Gerardo Aguilar, who is the principal of um, Arlanza Elementary School over in the Alvor Unified School District, and Don Elliott, who is an instructional coach and project specialist. Welcome to our show today. Good morning. Well, thanks for having us. We're, gl we're glad you're here. Um, again, they're with the Arlanza Elementary School over in Alvord Unified School District. Our topic today is talking about the effects of poverty on students' education. And um, we know from national studies that students that live in poverty um, often struggle to get a good quality education. But your school seems to have uh, a magic recipe for, for overcoming that obstacle. And just to quote some of the statistics I think relate to your school, about 94% of your students are eligible to participate in the National uh, School Lunch Program because of household income level. And about 79% of your students are learning to speak the English language. And um, in spite of those two obstacles for the student demographic that you're working with, from 1999 when the state's API score first came out till 2010, um, I believe that your school increased about 342 points when the national average was around 146 points. Mm -hmm. So qu quite a significant increase during that period of time. And um, I'm sure there's a story behind that as to what's been happening at the school and um, how you've been able to work with your students in the community to have those kinds of uh, student gains. So tell us a little bit about your school and, and how this might be possible. Well, Ken, um, our school has uh, undergone just uh, tremendous changes instructionally in the last maybe four to five years, specifically in about in the last two years. Um, our school is a school that uh, has many of the components of a s successful school, as you're seeing now here in, in Riverside and in, in the country, in a sense that you're seeing the implementation of collaboration, the implementation of response to intervention, and all those pieces that we need to make sure that not a single child falls behind. But as you're saying, one, maybe one of the little top secret things that we, we've been working on or one of the, the impacts that we've been having in regards to instruction and kids really progressing in the English language is really focusing on oral language development or ELD, English language development with our kids. What we've been looking at specifically is looking at the um, four domains that we have there that we measure using the California uh, English language development test. And what that test does is every year, once a year, kids um, at the beginning of the year take that particular assessment. And it measures their speaking, their writing, their listening, and their reading. And what we've noticed with the data, at least in 2008, 2009, we started to notice that there was a trend where kids were stagnating. Not a lot of kids mm. were moving in those areas. So myself, my instructional coach, and my uh, uh, teacher, I mean, the instructional coach uh, at the district level is the TOSA, we all got together to do a little brainstorming session. I first looked at the data to try to look for trends, and I noticed that pretty much our kids were having issues in, um, in all those four domains. Well, the other piece that we're seeing too, and this is pervasive within the state of California with any EL student, is we have a large group of what we call intermediate students who just don't really move A level. They stay right in the, right in the middle there. And there are those five levels, so you're talking about probably students that are stuck at level three? Correct. Okay. That's level three. Um, so what we ended up doing there is that we looked at um, the area, I mean, the area of differentiating our, our instruction for our English language mm -hmm. learners. 
we looked specifically at um, s the use of sentence frames and sentence responses that uh, went along with those sentence frames. Um, and uh, we did a lot of staff development or professional development with that, a lot of collaboration days to really fine tune that and develop a variety of different lessons. I'm going to have um, Don chime in a little bit as to what that process looked like, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and discuss how we're bridging it to uh, reading comprehension in uh, English language arts. Okay. Initially, when we started the process, we were just using 30 minutes a day during English language development time. Mm -hmm. And so what we're able to do is group students according to their proficiency or how well they were doing with their development of language and actually gear the instruction specifically to them. So the kinds of questions that we asked them were grade level questions, but they were geared to their specific listening, speaking, reading, and writing abilities. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to really take a look at what did those students need, what kinds of questions could we ask them, and then giving them the responses, uh, a frame for the responses so they could articulate back to us what they needed to. So it was at their level, their questions were at their level, and the responses were at a level that was appropriate for them. So Don, as you're, as you're going through that process, I'm assuming that students, um, let's just take third graders, that um, they may not have the voc vocabulary to ask, answer the question that you would, might ask the rest of the class, but uh, students you're, you're targeting here. But so you're asking the question in a different way to help draw out if they still really understand the answer to that? Exactly. Okay. We're asking it in a different way that's appropriate for their level and also making sure that a lot of the students that we're talking about at intermediate level, they don't have the academic language mm -hmm. that our English only students, you know, mm -hmm. usually do have. And so we're trying to make sure that our instruction really builds on that academic language mm -hmm. and making sure that they can really, they have a, um, they have the scaffolding or, or the background in order mm -hmm. to succeed. Okay. Good. So. <clears throat> that's, that's one of the things that you're doing at your school to make a difference. Uh, share with us some of the other things that are happening there. And maybe as you start implementing that, what comes out of that uh, in the implementation process? Sure. What we started to do is we started to look at data after we started implementing our differentiated instruction during English language development. And what we noticed in 2009 to 2010 is we had a significant growth um, with, our, um, with kids understanding um, in the, the four different domains that we described earlier. Mm -hmm. But specifically what the data was showing us is as a direct result of our differential instruction, kids' speaking scores, the ability to speak and complete sentences and respond were significantly higher. Um, our, I would say the, it was close to 97% of our kids um, almost reaching that proficiency level in that particular area. And again, this was, it was attributed to what we were doing here. However, we noticed now that the reading comprehension scores were stagnant. So mm. we needed to uh, develop and extend this now, the differentiated piece, into reading language arts. Mm -hmm. Not just impacting EL students, but now impacting our English-only students. So you're increasing the vocabulary, but they hadn't caught up with the understanding the definition of some of these words and, and how they apply in sentence structure. Correct. And the other thing that we were noticing, too, is the teachers as a whole needed some kind of systematic way to teach reading comprehension, which is uh, not sometimes not very clear in our TEs, our teacher's editions that the mm -hmm. teachers use mm -hmm. uh, to teach this concept. And so we were looking for a systematic, clear-cut, and concise um, step process to teach reading comprehension to all our students. And this is what we have started here. So maybe Don could go ahead and uh, elaborate a little bit on that piece. 
I think one of the biggest things that we did in regards to English language development, that 30-minute block, and then after we extended our instruction to really targeting all students during reading comprehension, is we not only matched the instruction at their current instructional level, but we also built it up a little bit or bumped it up. So our expectations were high mm -hmm. in that we didn't just stop where students were able to be, we actually asked them questions at a little bit higher level. So in order to stretch them a little bit and have mm -hmm. them attain higher levels of proficiency. Okay. So when you start talking about differentiated instruction, um, I, I get a sense that that is a powerful approach because when you mm -hmm. talk about uh, education of students, really we're talking about what happens in the classroom and, and that boils down to the instruction that they receive. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about differentiated, it means I'm assuming it means different styles, different ways to instruct the students. And um, I, I sense that there's a lot of power in that particular activity. Do you want to maybe just spend a minute and define a little bit more clearly what differentiated instruction strategies that you're using with your students? Well, after we look at our data and we're able to determine where our students are, mm -hmm. uh, depending on their proficiency, we're able to target our instruction to each different proficiency level. And so what we're able to do is a student who is at the beginning level or the lowest level of language proficiency, we're going to ask them questions that are at a much easier um, understandably than students that are at higher levels. So for instance, we're going to ask them to point to something or give yes or no responses. As students acquire more and more language, they're able to build upon that. So a student at the next highest proficiency would be an early intermediate student. And we're going to ask them to give us either or ends of answers. Is this a dog or is this a cat? Mm -hmm. And so it kind of scaffolds for them, you know, and gives them a response, a starter or a sentence frame, a speaking frame as we've called it. So students who struggle a little bit, they have a frame in which to use. Okay. And you know, as we go through each proficiency level, of course, the, um, the sentence frames, the sentences that we're asking them to respond to become more and more complex. Mm -hmm. And then later during reading comprehension, we even are using this for our English-only students. And we're asking them questions relating to Bloom's taxonomy or analytical questions and really deep, um, deeper questions than we're able to ask the other students. And so it's kind of getting the students ready and giving them the the vehicle in order to reach uh, greater success. But now, do the strategies necessarily change as you get closer towards the top of the mountain? Well, as you know, the, the needs will, will change and, and we are prepared for that to happen. However, can we haven't gotten there yet, yeah. so we're still in the... But um, I'm assuming that you might have one or two students in the school that are, you know, AP gate type students mm -hmm. and, and so, not just one or two, but you might have clusters of them. So mm -hmm. you're, gonna, you're starting to, to build in that capacity right now. Correct. What we have done at our school specifically is for um, is to really centralize and provide um, probably a differentiated teaching for each um, groups. I mean needs that we have for mm -hmm. each group. Okay. So, for example, uh, we have um, a gifted class, the gate class, okay. with um, high achievers as well. Okay. And that teacher not only uses our differentiated pieces in ELD instruction, but also in reading comprehension. But on top of that, we have something called death and complexity, which is a higher order thinking skills. They look for patterns and details. They look for trends over time. And this is some of the, um, the training that we received from Sandra Kaplan through USC. Okay. So we have layered that on top in order to meet the needs of our higher functioning students. Okay. Because I, I'm sure that as schools um, move forward and, and make some significant progress, 
um, the things that they struggle with in the beginning become a different set of issues mm -hmm. to, to, to mm -hmm. deal with than schools that get up, up towards that uh, towards the top. I know I know one of our schools in our county um, is a very high high poverty area, and they're they're pushing at the top of that mountain right now, and it's and it's kind of hard to sustain that. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to build that structure in place that that leads towards mm -hmm. there. One thing I want to just say too is that the data is also showing us too that. Um, that as we have more and more students reach, uh, reach that early advanced advanced levels on the CELT test, we have a higher percentage of students passing the California standards test mm. uh, in the end. So that really goes hand in hand, very high correlation with that. So that is one area of success that we're seeing and that we're, that we're putting all our energy into because not only are we seeing that correlation with kids grasping the language because it makes sense that they, the, as they master the language, they will become more proficient mm. in reading, writing, speaking, mm. and listening. Uh, so just to give you some general trends and data, for my third graders who start off, uh, we have uh, usually about, this last year, we had about 16 kids in that early advanced, advanced level um, with high, um, with who were, uh, who were um, early advanced, I mean, who were proficient in this on the CST. Then in fourth grade, that number went up to 31. Uh, the number of kids who scored early advance and advance and passed the California standards test, the CST, mm -hmm. in the end. And then in fifth grade, we're seeing uh, close to um, 40 kids reaching that level. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing, again, as the kids uh, gain that the proficiency in the English language, they become, um, the chances of them becoming a proficient advance on the state standards test becomes higher and higher. You know, we're trying to focus a lot of attention on the classroom, which is which is rightly so. But um, I, I think in order to really get the results that you're getting, there there also has to be some work with the community and, and at home. Um, anything in particular that you're doing to help the parents be better prepared to help their students become successful? We do. We have increased our parent involvement over the last mm -hmm. few years. And not only are we doing the activities that draw our parents in and our students where, you know, once a month we have the family involvement nights and parents are coming in and, you know, we're helping with strategies to help with reading and math and science and, you know, even physical fitness. We're doing all that. And I think parents are, are feeling a little bit more involved within our, our school community. But on top of that, we're also providing more opportunities for parent workshops. Mm -hmm. We have a community worker and we have her going out to the community and you know, getting parents to come in and helping. How to help your child with homework mm -hmm. or how to uh, read the report card, how to understand these kinds of things that traditionally parents will struggle with a little bit. And so our parent involvement has increased and we do have plans even for next year for you know, even more involvement from our parents because it's without their support we wouldn't be able to do the kinds of things we do. Our, our focus has been um, uh, one particular area, and that is that focus on instruction. Focus and looking at the data to guide our instruction and our professional development uh, with, with teachers. So that may be coming, at anything, I mean, if we look at any piece of this conversation in regards to the success that we've had, it's been just a, a focus on one or two areas and doing it to the best of our ability. Gerardo and, and Don, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Focus on Education and for having the discussion about um, the effects of poverty on students and how your school has been successful in uh, helping them achieve well in spite of that. Thank you. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this edition of Focus on Education and please join us again in the future.